Have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? <laughs> I don't, uh... Hands. Are we the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will never not love that clip. And I'll tell you, I wish the NIMBYs had a somewhat similar self-awareness when it comes to analyzing their own stance on this very important issue. Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always. Tyler Crawley, and that's where we're going to be starting because there was a very lengthy, I think when I printed it out, it was like 11 pages, but very good in-depth piece about NIMBYism. And did I say the New York Times? I think I said that. It was the New York Times by Connor Doherty. And he looked at one woman in particular and in one area where she's living and what she is doing to try and stop development. So her name is Susan Kirsch. She is a 78-year-old retired teacher who lives in a small cottage home in Mill Valley, California, on a quiet suburb street that looks toward a grassy knoll. A Sierra Club member with a pesticide-free garden, she has an Amnesty International sticker on her front window and a photograph on her refrigerator of herself and hundreds of other people spelling tax the 1% on a beach. So her liberal bonafides are very apparent. Now, the cause that takes up most of her time, however, is fighting new development and campaigning for the right of suburban cities to have near total control over who and what gets built there. Now, Doherty points out that the impulse behind NIMBYism is timeless. People who already live somewhere have always raised objections to newcomers, and that's really what NIMBYism is. It's like, yeah, I moved here, but you can't. <laughs> You're not allowed to move here or build what you want to build. I, I, I've already done that, but I, I'm it. I'm the last one. It's kind of the same thing that we see here in, you know, this happens in any town, uh, especially high-growth towns like where I live in Wilmington, where people are very anti-new people coming in. But in a lot of cases, they are new to the area. Like you're very rarely going to find someone with long ties to a community that is very anti new people coming in because usually those people are okay with people coming in. They've benefited financially from people coming in. Now, Dory points out that this impulse, this nimbyism is, is a long history, but no place more so than California has done more to empower it, pointing out until fairly recently, this is something that the state was even proud of. But this turnabout, the fact that we've seen Governor Gavin Newsom say that nimbyism is destroying this state, this turnabout is so baffling to activists like Miss Kirsch. In the late 1970s, when she moved to Marin County, California was in the vanguard of an ideological backlash that created modern environmentalism and rejected the assumptions that a growing economy and more people were always good, a cause that was championed by state and national politicians and celebrated everywhere from songs 
to magazine covers. And this once again goes back. I mean, it truly is amazing. I said this on Twitter one time because someone was talking about this Paul Elric. We've talked about him here on the show before. I mean, this guy wrote this book called Population Bomb that was about the overgrowth of our planet. And we're going to have so many people here and we were going to run out of resources and it was going to be hell on earth. It was going to be apocalyptic. It was going to be like all these horrible post-apocalyptic movies like Mad Max, Waterworld, whatever it may be. And none of it, none of it came true. Not a single thing. And I've, and I've said this before and I will continue to say it. No man that I know of in recent history has been proven so utterly wrong and yet still is able to hold a fan base that is diehard. I mean, there are people that still believe this, that overpopulation is a problem, even though now we're hearing a lot of people, whether it's sociologists, economists, whatever it may be, pointing out that now the real issue is underpopulation. We are not replacing our population. And in fact, that level is starting to drop. And yet people are still holding on to these idiotic ideas that have been proven wrong time and time again. And yet still the issue still used as a reason for why we shouldn't have more development. Now, Doherty says California is a different place with a different struggle. And at the center of this is a lack of housing. To which Doherty points out, how does a place that prides itself on progressive politics have so many policies that exacerbate inequality, which is not allowing development, home prices skyrocketing because of that, create situations where the middle class can't buy a home, the poor can't buy a home, they can't then build wealth, which then grows the inequality gap. There's arguments about what it does to homelessness. And so here's a place that, you know, here you have this woman, this Susan Kirsch, who clearly has shown her liberal bona fides, but yet on this issue is about as radical right wing as you get. And that is actually the question that Doherty asked, how do homeowners who have window signs that say they welcome every oppressed group? I wonder if she has a Ukrainian flag in her in her yard. I wonder if she does that says they want to welcome every oppressed group rationalize a housing system that caused their own children to flee. Well, I know you're not going to be surprised by this, but uh, Miss Kirch does not deny that California has a housing problem, but she doesn't think it's because they're not building. <laughs> no, she, no the, the reason there's a lack of housing isn't because they aren't building housing. No, no. Or her argument, of course, is investors who are buying single family homes, even though that makes up, I think, less than 0.1% of homes across the country. I know you've, you've heard about this, right? Like Blackstone or BlackRock. Are buying up all these homes and these evil Wall Street hedge funds are buying up all these single family homes. Big time Wall Street investors own, once again, less than I think it's 0.1% of single family homes. <laughs> it's like non-existent. So no, no, not not even close. But she argues it's investors who buy single family homes, big technology companies. I, I would love to know how how that is uh, and inequality generally. I love that because what's funny about that is that there's two, two of those ways would be solved 
by building more homes. So if she wants to help inequality, one of the ways to do that is to make home ownership more affordable. Building homes does that. Um, and if you want to get investors out of the housing game, you make buying housing less profitable. And how do you do that? How do you reduce the price of something? You create more of it. So if she's like, oh, we all these investors are buying homes and inequality in general. Well, both of those things are fixed by building more homes. It really is that simple. Uh, she wraps her opposition to development in a small C conservative philosophy that a smaller local government is better and more responsive to its citizens than a bigger one further away. And I don't disagree with that. I just think her premise is wrong. I don't think that, you know, we should have top down governance in any way, shape or form. Central planning, if we've <laughs> one thing seen throughout history, does not work. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to take the no, no, no approach to everything. Now, Kirch, who was partial to Small is Beautiful, which was a book published in 1973 by economist E.F. Schumacher. The book cast doubt on a growth at all cost mentality and was but one entry in what the historian Kevin Starr called the this developing genre of population and land use apocalypse. Environmental activist Doherty points out came to define themselves by what they could stop. And this it's so funny to me because as you all know, I came from a political world and you know, William F. Buckley famously said that conservatives job is to stand athort history yelling stop, not necessarily because you're going to stop it, but it's just asking questions. And it's so funny that like William F. Buckley, who defined the conservative movement of the mid to late 20th century, he's being echoed by this woman <laughs> and the environmentalist movement, which is on the opposite side of the spectrum. It's just it's it's just fascinating here now marin county where this woman miss kirch lives is a woodsy enclave that sits across the golden gate bridge from san francisco and it was enacted or has enacted some of the strictest strictest growth control measures in the country and have done so proudly they are not apologetic about this but housing fights could also be proxies for racial exclusion even though discriminatory practices such as redlining have been outlawed by federal civil rights legislation, economic segregation persisted. Today, Marin County is the most segregated county in the Bay Area. Miss Kirch, who arrived in Mill Valley in 1979, where she remarried, had kids and stretched to buy the house that she currently lives in for $112,000, which I believe I saw someone on Twitter point out that that house is now, I think, about almost $2 million. <laughs> almost $2 million. And here's what's so funny to me. They talk about how she originally got involved in this NIMBY battle. And there was an email that she had written using her Hotmail account. Gotta love that. Uh, she's definitely definitely uh, not advancing with the times. At least she's being consistent, right? She's, she's against the new email address. She's not going to get a Gmail one. She said, from my backyard, I see Hillside. Explain how my property value is not deflated if open space is replaced with a view-blocking, dense, unsightly building. 
And you just got to love that because this is really my thesis on NIMBYism is for the most part, it is selfishness disguised as altruism. And we talked about this on an, an earlier podcast it was the title of one of my podcasts. And that's what it is. She's trying to convince you that, oh, it's about, you know, limiting growth and local government and da, 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 da. But it's, what is it really about? Her property value. She wants to maintain her property value. <laughs> she doesn't want to devalue it. I mean, she says it right there in black and white. And so she might say all of these other things because that sounds great. But one, we know what it's about. It's about her keeping her property value high and her investment because okay if she makes money the evil people on wall street those evil investors it's bad when they make money we got it we got to tax the one percent i mean she's a two million dollar house she's pretty close to the one percent <laughs> right she's pretty close and that is something that was pointed out on twitter by jake and binder who said lest i ever be accused of ignoring class analysis i think the dynamic at the heart of not only susan Kirsch politics but all of california homeowner liberalism is how a group of pretty rich people came to not feel very rich and there was another interesting comment on this same piece by m nolan gray who's over at the mercatus center he said this is being cast as a defense of the prototypical nimby but i came away feeling pity for kirch here's a decent person who in the thrall of bad models is naively engaged in banal and seemingly genuinely confused. I'm sorry, banal evil and seems genuinely confused that she has become the villain. And that's what's kind of funny. Like this whole piece is how she's pointing out that, you know, it's she doesn't want to see inequality. She doesn't want to see racism. She doesn't want to see all those, all these things, but the very policies that she's advocating for, that's what they create. It creates segregation. It creates and makes worse inequality. All of those things are exacerbated by nimbyism. And I did love this quote as well. <laughs> More than anything, this is the group, these, these nimbies. They are furious how an epithet like nimby can reduce someone who cares about their neighborhood to a cartoon. <laughs> I wanted to quote the Mrs. Soprano from the Sopranos. Oh, poor you. <laughs> I feel so bad that your horrible, stupid ideas are making you look like a cartoon character. Maybe because you are a cartoon character. Do you ever think maybe that's, that's why you look a cartoon character? But yeah, I mean that it, it, it was a fascinating piece. And like I said, it was 11 pages when I printed it out. There's a lot in it. And it just points out that, yeah, I mean, it, it usually when you think about bad economic policy, it's, you know, it's these captains of industry battling out in Washington. When it comes to nimbyism, it's examples like this. It's like a 78 year old retired teacher, this little old lady who looks like a nice person. And from all I can tell is a nice person, but she's just done dumb when it comes to housing policy and she just doesn't understand that if she really wants to fight inequality and racism and all of these things you gotta get rid of this nimbyism 
that exacerbates both the, I mean, the two biggest things that NIMBYism creates, inequality, segregation. So if, you, if those are your two biggest issues, then you got to drop it. <laughs> you gotta, but, but they're not, because once again, it's not about those issues. They don't really care. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm sure they do, but they put their property value above all other issues. So if they really want to make things better, stop with the nimbyism okay stop with the nimbyism but even without nimbyism we would still be seeing home prices skyrocketing and they continue to do so we got a report on monday from black knight once again showing home prices up and affordability down but there could be some good news there could be some good news in this the monthly principal and interest payment well this isn't the this isn't the good the good news <laughs> I just want to make that clear. We're going to get to the good news here in a second. There's technically two good news components to this Black Knight report. The monthly principal and interest payment on the average priced home with 20% down is nearly $600 more. That's a 44% increase than where we were at the start of the year. This is thanks to you know rising prices, but mostly rising mortgage rates. And now it's up $865 or almost 80% than where we were before the pandemic. Now, as of May 19th, the 30-year mortgage rate Black Knight reports was at 5.25%. And the share of median income required to make that payment and interest or principal and interest payment had climbed to 33.7%, just shy of the 34.1% high that we reached in July of 2006. Now, the president of Black Knight's data and analytics, Ben Grabowski, said that with the average priced home up 42% in value since the start of the pandemic, current homeowners with mortgages are sitting on an average $207,000 in equity that they could choose to tap while still keeping the 20% equity buffer in place. That's a result of an astonishing $1.2 trillion gain in tappable equity in the first quarter of 2022 alone. In total, American mortgage holders have more than $11 trillion in tappable equity, especially in places like California. People like Mrs. Kirsch, <laughs> they have a lot of, Tap what was her mortgage? One hundred and sixty thousand dollars, and now her house is worth no, one hundred twelve thousand, and now her house is worth almost two million. She's got some equity that she can tap. So here, so that that's the good news. Obviously, tapable equity is a good thing, and it's also a good thing that we're not seeing cash out refis skyrocketing. So people are being responsible with their equity. It's not two thousand six. Everyone's trying to cash out take out 100% of their home, 110% in some cases. No, people are holding on to their equity. No, no, one of the benefits, the other good news, I should say in this piece, that the annual rate of appreciation cooled slightly. Not a lot, but a cool down nonetheless. So in March, it was 20.4% year-over-year increase. In April, 199 <laughs> I mean, it counts. It, it's a drop. It is a slowdown. I mean, it's still up 19.9%, but a cooling nonetheless. And we will look for any example 
as long as it's for real, we're not going to make stuff up. Um, but it, it's an, a, more evidence that we're starting to see a cool down take place in the housing market. Now, Black Knight also reported that despite seeing a rise of 27,500 from March to April, talking about active listing. So that was an increase. So we got an increase in inventory. We have a slight cooling when it comes to uh, year-over-year price appreciation. That's all good news. But keeping it in context, we're still down 67% from pre-pandemic levels. Looking at listings with 820,000 fewer listings than you would typically see during this time of the home buying season. New listing volumes were up 1% from the same time last year, but unfortunately still down 11% below pre-pandemic levels for the month of April. So once again, some good news. We got a little slow in here, a little increase in inventory, but homes are becoming more unaffordable. And that number is reaching the high that we saw in the mid 2000s. And so that's why it's so important that we build and people like Susan Kirch need to realize that, especially in California. So we can get more homes out there. We can get these prices under control because it doesn't look like rates are going to be dropping anytime soon. (laughs) So if we can't lower rates, we're going to have to do something about the prices in the way that you reduce the price of homes is you build more of them. And that is happening in the South. We know that. So we are, we are happy about that. All right. We got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. I know I went long there with that first story. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. We'll talk to you again Wednesday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.